Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Figus Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here, back in the saddle again. I missed you, I missed you so much. My heart was breaking, my soul was aching, and my feet, well, they were screaming from covering miles and miles of con floor from here to Florida. <laughs> but I'm back for at least a week or two till we head to the great beyond. Lots of, of stuff, so much stuff. To cover, but before we get to that, let's talk about our sponsors, Suzy Q's, who I went with to the Florida Supercon, and we'll talk about that and in more detail when Suzy gets back onto the podcast with us. So, Suzy had her booth set up at the Florida Supercon, and she is the crafter, the creator, and the brilliant mind behind Suzy Q's, the most original and creative jewelry you will ever find on the planet. Chainmail, it's it's beautiful, it's stunning. Go to SuzyQs.com, check it out. It's worth the trip. You'll you won't you won't be mad. You'll be like, I need this. I need this all in my life. Our other sponsor, of course, the brilliant, the one, the only, Mr. Matt Campbell and his incredible action line studios who has mythica in so many other uh, options available on his page he has prints he has art he is a genius in the way of folklore well i don't know about the floor fol- folklore but I, it's a good hunch if you talk to matt you'll you'll agree <laughs> go to actionlinestudios.com and enter in the the special code and you will get a nice, happy little discount from any purchases made. In fact, it's a twenty percent. No, is it twenty percent? Uh, no, that was that was previous. <laughs> you do get a discount if you go to actuallynstudios.com. Yeah, she'd probably give you the right information. It's actually a fifteen percent discount. Matt's probably sitting listening, going, "No." 15% discount by entering the code 5280 and you will get the hookup for just listening for just being part of the great geek verse at large the world that is 5280 geek and of course little old me just sitting here trying to inform you of what's going on and there's been lots of stuff going on I don't even know where to start but I, I will come up with something to entertain and otherwise uh, entice you uh, this week lots of stuff has gone on and I don't even know where where I want to go where I want to start but I guess the one thing that's actually like glaring and I've heard the most about is the Munsters trailer the film of course is being uh produced written and directed by none other than Rob Zombie and it, you may or may not have seen this and a lot of people were kind of stunned even when we were at the con they're like i had no idea this was going on and it's a mixed bag of review so when you're looking at the monsters history and it's a very interesting colorful one you get 
I think it, what happens is the Munsters gets lost against the Adams family. And it's always been one of those things, even, you know, uh, some people get it confused in normal geek culture, let alone the muggle world at large. So I can understand why somebody was like, well, didn't they already do that? No. And it seems that Rob Zombie has been a lifelong fan of the Monsters. I remember the Monsters movie uh, back in the day when it was colorized and there was a, a, a race and Herman is driving a dragster that looks like a coffin, if I remember correctly. My Munster, my Munster knowledge and history is not as strong as other things of the time in the air. I was distracted and had other things that I was interested in. In fact, I, I'm more of an Adams Family fan than I am a Munsters fan, just because that's just how it worked. That's how my brain was wired, evidently. <laughs> the Adams Family made sense to me. So... The recreation and the reboot or the tribute or however you want to phrase this for the Munsters is is under a lot of scrutiny. And it's only because of the trailer that landed while I was away. And it's a very, I don't know, a lot of a lot of nerds are angry right now. Now, I've watched the trailer and I have to agree that it does look rather low rent, low budget, low expectations to go into it to begin with. I wasn't expecting this to be an all-out, you know, amazing, groundbreaking film. This is Jordan Peele coming in with a new, you know, horror film. (laughs) Because, (laughs) nope, looks absolutely spectacular and a very interesting kind of premise. But, I digress. The Munsters, from my knowledge, from the the memory, seems to really fit very well with the trailer that we got. It's before the kids, and it really kind of is a tongue-in-cheek, kind of over-the-top approach. Now, I don't know what to expect, and the trailer is very, I don't think a kind way to judge an entire film. Granted, some of the films that we have seen in the past, the trailer has been the majority of the jokes for comedies and other action sequences, and you're like, well, I saw the film, and now I don't need to see the rest of it. There seems to be a lot more, and from my experience with Rob Zombie films, you're not really getting what you get from the trailer. I mean, House of a Thousand Corpses is just, you know, weird, And no trailer is going to bring that across. Maybe the nerds are being a little uncharacteristically mean towards Rob Zombie, which, (laughs) when you think about that, is kind of ironic. I don't know if I'm going to go see the film or if I'm going to wait or whatever, and it doesn't look like I have to really go anywhere since it has been announced that it's going to be on Netflix this fall. And the reason I did bring up The Addams Family is for another specific reason that Netflix is also going to premiere the new series Wednesday, which is based on The Addams Family. But now Wednesday is all grown up and, you know, playing playing the parent. So we are going to have this duke out yet again as The Addams Family faces off against the Munsters. Who's to win? Who's to know? <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not going to lo- throw in with you lot on this is just 
looks horrible. This looks exactly like the colorized version movie that I remember from back in the day, and I, I have no other point of reference other than that. And I think they're keeping it vague and ambiguous on purpose. They don't want to give away too much. Now, I know... Friday the 13th by Rob Zombie, the first ep- first installment, was interesting. It was a different take. The second film, however, really fell short, and it can be said that it probably really shouldn't have been made. And I know a lot of people also argue that the whole reason that Rob Zombie is making films is so that Sherry, his wife, has something to do. <laughs> now, I'm not throwing stones and i'm not trying to be cruel these are just the things that i hear in the geek circles when people do talk to me about these things what are my expectations i really don't have any i'm more interested in just to see if the spirit of the monsters is there the heart because there's a great line that is taken from herman discussing about the quality of people the heart of the matter you know what lies underneath the appearance can be whatever it is but it's what matters underneath and i think that's the heart of the monsters what what is the quality of the person and the quality of the nerd right now not too impressive give it a chance don't hang it before it comes out of the gate and who's to say maybe you're right and i could be wrong Who's to say? And maybe Wednesday is going to be the the breakout of these two shows as they premiere basically the same time in fall 2020. Or excuse me, 2022. So we won't have long to wait. But all in all, I don't know if it looks bad or good. We'll just see. And I will. I'll throw in with you guys at the end. Moving along to Star Wars news. Dun, 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 dun. There are 12 episodes to Andor? What the fuck? How come we couldn't get that with Obi-Wan? How come we couldn't get that with, you know, a couple of others? I, uh, I'm frustrated with that. Anyway, Andor is coming to Disney Plus August 31st. So there will be two episodes out of the gate. And then, of course, they'll do their weekly releases after that. So I... I'm excited for this. One more thing. Rogue One, by far, was the best. I know Red calls it fanfic, but <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker had its moments. It was it was all right. What we got in uh, Rogue One was is a masterpiece. It really is. Considering there's there's no Skywalkers, there's really not much in the way of Jedi, but we get a very up close and personal look of the Rebel Alliance and these characters and some of the sacrifices and things that have gone on leading up to New Hope. And I think it's great. Now, do I really want to see more on Andor? Maybe. I really don't I don't know. But I'm very curious. And Obi-Wan, for all its faults and everything else, has left me optimistic. The final battle between Obi-Wan and Vader, by all means, is is the great, is great. It's, it's, It's fabulous. The price for admission, it's all worth it. The final payoff, granted, a couple of holes, but 
it also fills in a few holes that were left by New Hope and things that you kind of get the the impression of what had gone on, even a couple of Easter eggs that feed nicely into New Hope. And it helps define kind of like the relationship of Obi-Wan and Luke and all of all of that. So it's fine. And I'm really encouraged by what I've seen for some of like the preliminary things. And I've gotten some rumors that I'm not ready to go on record with. But what we're looking forward to, it will be a it will be a decent payoff. And it's an area that we haven't really explored a whole lot in between, uh, you know, end of before. Sorry, my brain went sideways (laughs) Uh, before New Hope. So I like the fact that we get kind of that fill in Revenge of the Sith, Bad Batch and or all of that kind of like filling in again. Big shoes to fill, in my opinion, because Rogue One is 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 pretty top top shelf. Now, one of the funny things, because this came out in what was going on with Obi-Wan and the the argument, and we've had this argument. I know this argument very well, because you're, you're either for it or against it. And George Lucas actually spoke up and said, great Jedi do not exist. So if you're new to this party, which probably some of you are, there's always been the thing about gray Jedi. They, they're not necessarily Jedi Knights, but they're not exactly Sith, and they draw their powers from both sides of the Force, both light and dark. So they, they have like this interesting kind of, uh, I, don't know, I don't know what to say, just kind of this mystery around them. There have been rumors as far as who would be a gray Jedi. And, of course, Qui-Gon is one of the ones that are running at the front of the pack as far as him being a gray Jedi. And, of course, the next one, probably the most famous right now, would be Ahsoka, who got thrown out of the Jedi Order. The funny thing about this argument is that all of these quote-unquote gray Jedis still operate from the standpoint of good. I don't see them drawing anything from the dark side of the Force or Sith-like anything. They are driven by purely, you know, good motives. I mean, they're not out there to, you know, slaughter innocents. They're not out there to try and, you know, take advantage of anyone. They're trying to do what's right, and just because they have detached themselves from the Jedi Order doesn't necessarily make them great Jedis, in my opinion. George Lucas, well, this is kind of what he had to say. The Force isn't a rainbow with different tents users can pick and choose. While a great Jedi sounds like a Force user avoiding indoctrination in reality, they are using qualities of the light side while others redefine what that is. Uh, He advocates that many of the great Jedi qualities are part of the light side of the Force. The Force exists in a neutral yet compassionate and connected state. The light side users protect that and work within the natural flow of the Force, while the dark side is a misuse of the Force. It's black and white, and those are the qualities that a great Jedi would not give into. So some rather impressive insight from Mr. George Lucas, who I know a lot of people 
kind of write off anymore when it comes to Jedi lore, since it is like elevated way beyond anything that I think he originally had in mind. Now, I am intrigued by the whole gray Jedi, and some of it makes sense and some of it doesn't. Now, I do admit that Qui-Gon does seem to fit the most when it comes to a gray Jedi and Ahsoka even more so, but they're still kind of motivated from the, you know, more positive sides of the force. And I don't see them doing anything from the eh, standpoint of maliciousness. Now, if you're up to date on your Star Wars lore, I guess I don't even know if I want to call it lore, but in the um, Star Wars Rebels series, there was a character that they introduced called the Bendu. Now, the Bendu was awesome because it was a creature of the Force. And I honestly think he's more neutral and more what we would consider a gray Jedi just simply because he was very mischievous. But he was still kind of driven on the more positive side, and he kind of contributed the fall of you know the world because of the Jedi fighting, and that the Force is all about balance. And it was kind of cool. Uh, of course, the Bendu was voiced by none other than legend uh, Tom Baker, the doctor himself, and he lended such a, a gravitas to the voice. It was awesome to hear Baker's voice coming out as the Bendu. And, of course, Susie's hovering outside of the studio. Are you going to say something, or are you going to just sit out there? Are you waiting on your lunch? I'm waiting on my lunch. <laughs> well, we were talking, or I'm talking, about the uh, the subject of Grey Jedi came up, and George Lucas completely discredited it. What? Yep. He says it doesn't exist. There's either light or there's dark. Anyway, most of the Grey Jedi would be considered just Jedi because um, the Force doesn't work that way. Force is about balance. Right. And most of the Grey Jedi are motivated by positive means. That is true. Although I read something recently, and it escapes me now, that um, because it's a little it's a little dark side but just go with me. Because the Jedi were... S- so against the dark side because they feared the dark side they led to their own downfall like that is palpatine or no that was going to happen anyway all right so the only thing that could be actually considered a gray jedi or something that is truly neutral would be the bendu agreed and a jedi is either a jedi a sith is a sith no gray jedi but that was George Lucas. I'm like, huh. I don't know if we can really take George Lucas's word anymore when it comes to Star Wars lore. I think this has gotten way past his his idea of what it was going to be. Well, I yeah, I don't know. I think he, I think he messed with it too much to be allowed an opinion anymore because he changed it. And we've talked about this many times. True. How just in, you know, through the evolution of of media star wars changed and the star wars we saw as kids is not the star wars that came out on videotape is not the star wars that came out on dvd is not the star wars on disney plus and and that is all george that is george you bastard (laughs) 
But you know that's that's what what uh, Mr. George Lucas had to say. So I was just uh, very very curious remarks coming out of him because we were I was just talking about Andor twelve episodes, right? Which you probably right. didn't know. August thirty first and two will be released at the go. I'm so. really looking forward to that. Um, maybe he meant to say because you know I like to see things from all sides. Maybe he meant to say that. There are no great Jedi, but there may be great Force users because the Bendu's not a Jedi. The Ben the Bendu's a Force user. Creature. Yes. So that like maybe it's a maybe it's a small distinction, but no, he said the Force isn't a rainbow with different tents. Users can pick and choose. While a great Jedi sounds like a Force user avoiding indoctrination, indoctrination, in reality they are using qualities of the light side. I think it was just an excuse to use that word. <laughs> I mean, in, indoctrination is a buzzword. I, I, I it's a buzzword not, right now. It's uh, and it's got some. I mean, whichever whichever side you land on, it's got some political connotations, and so maybe that's his way of throwing his hat without into a political conversation without actually getting committing. in. Yeah, it's possible. I think that's very interesting uh, kind of thing. Um, what else? So Christina Ricci, since we were talking about the Munsters and Wednesday, uh, Christina Ricci has been cast as Harlequin in the new Harlequin and Joker Spotify podcast series. Uh, this is hot on the heels of Batman Unburied's success and renewal on Spotify. Today it was announced the details about the upcoming original scripted podcast, Harlequin and the Joker. I'm very interested. This is created in a partnership with Warner Brothers and DC. The series is written by Eli Horwitz, Homecoming, and tells a brand new story from the perspective of some of DC's most iconic villains. So I'm very curious on this whole thing as are they it's going to be like the criminals commenting on the relationship between Joker and Harley? Or is it going to be more like radio plays? I uh, when we were on the road the last couple of weeks, we were sure. listening to that Sandman audio adaptation. So maybe it's something more like that. It's possible that would be kind of fun. Justin Hartley is Bruce Wayne. Uh, Billy Magnesian is the Joker, and of course Christina Ricci as Harley Quinn. I'm very I don't know. Right now, I'm 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 in love with Kaylee Cuoco as Harley. I love that show. I don't. I can't. I can't imagine anyone. I mean, I guess I can, but uh, Christina Ricci just doesn't seem to have that kind of pitch. Or, or has she been typecast, and maybe she's got a greater vocal range than people know? Look at you with the smart thing. Stop having logic. Dance. All right. Well, I'm going to go eat my lunch. Thanks for letting me crash. All right. <laughs> You're welcome to come back if you want, because I know your lunch will get boring. So I, I'm very curious because this will look like it would be kind of fun. And to Susie's point, if there is the opportunity for it to be a kind of a melodrama, that would be cool. I did listen a little bit to uh, – the Batman's Unburied series on Spotify, and it was interesting. It was entertaining, and it's probably better than some of the other some of the Batman titles that are on the stands today. 
So, and it's nice to actually have someone read something to me and let the mind kind of create the stage for the story. So, this could be fun. This could be a hit. Um, do we have a date? Which is an excellent question. We do not. So as soon as this becomes available, I will be sure to give you guys a link and let you know. But I'm sure they're probably in the early stages of scripting and going over the lines. So we'll see. Uh, also, this just to to let you guys know of the drama that goes on. Not only does Susie come and go, but we also have another person in the in the studio, Matt, who has decided that he wants to try and steal my palm tree. That's right. If you haven't been to the studio, it houses a wonderful palm tree that lights up. It has bubbles, and it's probably one of the more interesting decorations in the studio of course i have told matt that he's going to go before the palm tree will and now i think he has taken it as a personal challenge to try and get the palm tree out of here and yeah that ain't gonna happen so if you see matt trying to pawn a palm tree just know that it belongs in the studio and call me quickly Uh, what else? Speaking of toying around, uh, this I was absolutely floored and scratched my head all at the same time. Toys R Us is coming back, but it's not only coming back in its own venue, but evidently Macy's is giving up a considerable amount of floor space to it, and they plan to have all of the Macy's in existence that are out there have a Toys R Us in it ahead of the holiday season. Yep, just let that soak in for a second. So I, I'm like, okay. So <laughs> Toys R Us will be springing to life in every Macy's department over the next few months. The stores within the store will range in size from a thousand square feet in smaller location to a sprawling 10,000 square feet in the larger Macy's, including Los Angeles and San Francisco's. San Francisco. Macy recognizes the opportunity in revitalizing Toys R Us when it agreed last year to sell goodies under the Toys R Us brand on its website. Macy's then started opening stores within stores in about 400 locations to gauge customer reaction. The response has been apparently warm enough that Macy's is now going in all the way, all in, on the toy brand. So there you go. Toys R Us is owned by WHP Global, which acquired the brand from True Kids Inc. when it went uh, kaput in the liquidation sale. I don't know if I really want to buy my toys where I buy my jeans. I'm, I'm not sure that really works for me, honestly. I know... We need the void filled. We need a toy store. Going to Target to buy toys or Walmart is just getting a bit much. And I honestly think that if Toys R Us was smart and didn't overstretch like they did, they could probably come back. But what does that look like? The toy market is so weird nowadays with, like, you know, pre-orders and and exclusives and just I'm not going to pay $17 for a five 
point articulated figure these days. And some of the pricing is just a little out of the 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 norm and this is stuff directly from the manufacturer this is stuff that you know uh, exclusives and you know super 7 which i love absolutely totally in on super 7 for silverhawks and for thundercats and i'm going to get the thunder tank i decided yeah it was a whim i really probably shouldn't have done it but uh, i couldn't resist but these guys are selling these higher end toys action figures sorry for a premium price even you know barnes and noble has their little dedicated section for toys so i think as everyone is trying to scramble and figure out how to best execute this decision now we got macy's which is evidently ready to just completely roll out everything uh, in every store. So we'll see what kind of selection we get, especially when you're dealing with a thousand square feet for toys. I think that's probably just like the basics. But when you got like 10,000 square feet dedicated to toys, that's, that's an impressive footprint. So we'll see how this breaks down and when, if they actually do get this going. Also means that the toy manufacturers are going to be scrambling to try and fill orders. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few shortages going into the Christmas season. Yeah. So what else? We've got... Um, yeah, we'll do this. So the last couple of weeks... We have been very busy doing cons. We had Fan Expo Denver, then followed the next following week by Florida Supercon. And in two weeks, well, actually really a week and a half, we will be at Emerald City. In fact, you can come visit me at booth 1370. Excuse me, 1317. God, my mouth is not working today. 1317 at C2E2. We will be slinging comics. We'll have some vintage. We'll have some new. We'll have some slabbed. Come hang out. Come say hi. Uh, I don't have Susie's booth number for you. She will also be at C2E2. The uh, booth number evades me at the moment, but when we have her back, if she comes back down the hall, she can let us know her next week. I will get the number to relay to you. But right now, come and say hi. 1317 for C2E2 in Chicago in a couple of weeks. Now, the Fan Expo for Denver went, well, nothing out of the norm. It was rather vanilla for me. The problem was the organization and the lack of any real thought-out process for a con. And, of course... While I was at Florida Supercon, there was also another Chicago con going on, and I've heard from a lot of sources that this con really lacked really any punch. It was not very well received, not very well attended, and a lot of vendors broke down early, which is a very bad sign. If a vendor breaks down, it means they're not making money and they have better things to do than stand there and hope someone comes by just to purchase something so what does this mean for the cons it's an excellent question florida supercon was a decent turnout we've been posting out pictures from the con on our instagram and on our facebook so just kind of keep an eye out as we periodically just kind of put them out there it's a lot to put out there all at once and we want to give everyone their due 
as far as the cosplay, what we saw, the excitement, it was nice. Florida SuperCon is was more of an anime con, and you've got Reed Pop, who is now this was their second year running this con, and there were some definite changes and some improvements from the anime and the year prior of them doing this. So, I have. I have a certain expectation. I think that I think this will be a good con. I think this con will be successful, especially when I was speaking to some other people and their plans moving forward for the con and what they hope to gain and just some ideas that will be coming that they will be trying from Reed Pop from their England con. I'm very I'm very interested to see what this turns out to be. I think that will be a hit. And I'm 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 in. I like to go, even though it's it's hot and and sticky. Next year's Florida SuperCon will be during the Fourth of July weekend, which does cause a bit of a problem for anyone here in Denver because that's the same weekend as Fan Expo Denver. I guess if you had no real plans of going to Florida, no big deal. But I do know a few vendors in Florida that were considering coming to Denver. That now may change their plans. So we'll see how that works itself out. Now, the best story of Florida Supercon. Actually, there are a number of good stories, and I will save a few of them for when Susie is here. But we did have a very nice time with Mr. James Callis. Now, James Callis, you might recall as Gaius Baltar from Battlestar Galactica, who was freaking awesome. The gentleman spent a couple of nights at the bar with us had breakfast had some very positive fun interactions just hanging out talking and it it was it was probably one of the coolest interactions with a celebrity that i have had in a very long time and it was fun to just sit and chat and and talk about stuff Susie had a very interesting conversation which i will let her tell because it's 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 not my story to tell, but I was present and it was fun to watch from outside, which I would rather have her here to explain. So that will be coming up probably next week when I get Susie back in the chair. The Florida Supercon was a success in my opinion, and it was a better success than Denver Fan Expo just simply from the fact of the fans and how they interacted. And at the end of Fan Expo Denver, there were a lot of people there, but I didn't hear as high praise from that as I did from Florida Supercon. This weekend, however, is San Diego Comic-Con, the big one, the mother of all, the Super Bowl for nerds to come from across the globe and descend upon San Diego. Uh, Brett Leader One is out there. I'm sure we'll get some stuff from him, but we've already seen some exclusives kind of start trickling in. I know the Sandman uh, series has got a leak already that's kind of floating out there. Uh, I, I, I want to wait to see if this story is true. So over the next couple of days, keep it here, and we will let you know what's going on for San Diego. There are a ton of different exclusives, but the problem, you can't even just go to San Diego's website to just check out the exclusives because you have to be a member, and we want to tell you what's going on, but you have to be a member number. So... We're not going to talk about the the exclusives from San Diego. They can just kiss my butt. <laughs> but 
But the, to check out some of the stuff, a lot of the artists and other vendors who have exclusives have posted on their own sites to get around this having to have a membership for San Diego just to look at the exclusives, which, you know, I, I applaud. Work around the system. Uh, J. Scott Campbell did post up a, my, my God, a breathtaking queen, uh, the white queen from uh, Snow White? No. What is it? Yeah, it was the evil queen statue. And it is absolutely just breathtaking the statue itself uh is out of is based off of his fantasies collection his fairy tale fantasies and we've seen this image before in one of his calendars and it is just amazing the statue is available through sideshow collectibles and is just go check it out i know it's on his website and also know that it is on the uh sideshow collectibles page in addition to that campbell also put out a image of some of the prints that are available at san diego con uh, of course the big one that i'm looking to pick up will be the batman batgirl one that is just it, the man has the man is great with his colors oh my god and his lines are just absolutely perfect but there's a lot of other Catwomen, harleys and wonder woman available on that his schedule has been also released as far as what he'll be doing for panels starting wednesday night he will be around uh for appearances starting at his booth at 6 p.m so he will be there shortly and then of course throughout the rest of the weekend it will be a signing frenzy jim lee also is doing a bunch of other panels and it almost starting to feel like a con and i'm okay with that marvel has been kind of um i wouldn't say they're back with full force but there's definitely a feel in the air of maybe we'll see some of the manufacturers and the publishers coming back to the 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 con I have no doubts that we will have plenty of information and new stuff hitting as San Diego continues. But it is nice to see the publishers back. It's nice to see the fans back. And it's nice to just, you know, be able to move about the con floor freely and see everyone just kind of just having a good time. So thanks, guys, for, for coming back. We appreciate it. We really do. Uh, what else? Oh, this was interesting. And if you're a South Park fan, definitely want to be part of Comedy Central's announced uh, their plans for South Park, the 25th anniversary, which is going to be a multi-city immersive exhibit. And this is going to be coming to the Denver area this August. In fact, it is going to be there, there's a couple play, things going on with this first. There's a concert that is taking place at Red Rocks. And the Trading Post will have kind of this immersive thing starting August 9th and 10th. And then it is going to the McGregor Square August 11th and 12th. The event will allow fans to look inside the iconic South Park vault. I don't even know how you have a vault with South Park. I, don't, I mean, is there just stuff they're like, no, this is just too bad to put on the air, I don't see South Park like sandbagging or putting a whole lot of stuff in the back burner just because they don't want to piss someone off. But 
Okay. <laughs> so the deal is the uh, if you weren't lucky enough to get tickets to the show, the immersive exhibit will be free, and there is also a South Park tailgate experience at the Red Rocks trading post prior to the concert, and that's what's free to everyone to kind of, you know, hang out and do all of that. So if you go to Central or Comedy Central, they do have it posted up. In addition to, I know this is also on the South Park website. So check it out. I don't know. I'm going to see if we can get in there to check this out because I want to see what's coming out of the uh, the vault. Uh, <laughs> this will be very interesting to see evidently there's also for the concert taking place at red rocks they will be having ween and primus is that what i read um yeah okay there you go i didn't even think ween was touring anymore but that would be very that'd be entertaining why not that's a there there's a ticket for you something absolutely worth watching and that leads us to my final input for today. My final take on Stranger Things Season 4. I've been able to finally watch the final two episodes that came out. Especially the two and a half hour like extravaganza to wrap up Season 4. And I have to say... I was not surprised in the slightest as far as what happened. I mean, I am and I'm not. I know, and I'm trying, well, spoilers. If you have not watched the final two-and-a-half-hour episode one, there are going to be some things I'm going to say that are dead giveaways. So if you don't want any spoilers, by all means, come back next week and I'll I'll have something more for you or just kind of tune out here for the next five, ten minutes. Everybody who thought Eddie was going to make it through this was just not paying attention. There's no way Eddie was going to make it out of there. Not a chance. He's wanted for murder. He's running for his life. There's no chance in hell this guy is going to make it through because it's just easier to kill the character than make him suffer and all of the other nonsense that kind of follows in in line with this. I know there were probably the government guys could swoop in at the last moment and save the poor guy based on everything that's gone on with Eleven and their, their you know trek across America. But Eddie was a goner. And if you didn't see that coming, I'm sorry. He was a cool character. He was kind of fun. He was very redeemable in the end. But his his, his ticket was going to get punched. Now, Max, on the other hand, I do have to admit, I, I wasn't expecting that. I kind of thought, okay, we'll, we'll have uh, a swoop in. But they really pushed Max's character to the breaking point. And I honestly was surprised that they actually went as far as they did with the character. I'm interested to see now, since she's just an empty little husk inside there, where they plan on taking it. And if uh, we will see one come out through her body or if he's going to try and inhabit his own in this world. I don't know. I'm very the, the, how they set that up. I almost see can see Max becoming a 
villain for season five that something will take over her body and no one will know and just think it's max and that will be that the breaking up of the group and the two the three different kind of storylines that were going on were entertaining and i am still of the mindset and the belief that we did have too many characters kind of running around i do understand you can't keep focused on the same group of characters without introducing new people to help grow the story, to help grow the characters, and to make things a little more intriguing. But I don't think that they really did the characters any justice by introducing the characters that they did. They were there simply as a distraction or just as filler to help for whatever reason. I mean, they didn't really even add to the characters or to the story some of the plot, but not a whole lot of it, especially when you're dealing with Eleven and all of that storyline. I'm not upset with Stranger Things, and I know a lot of people out there that have never watched a single episode, as shocking as that may be. They're also the same people that have never watched Game of Thrones. But no judgments here. (laughs) The thing about... Stranger Things is I think this was this whole season season four is just a setup for season five that's all it is we're looking at huge falls to come and I I I know the big question is who makes it out and who doesn't my money and on the one character that I don't think is going to make it out for sure is Will Will has been doomed since epi- since since the first episode. He got away, and this really, if you look at it, is very similar to A Nightmare on Elm Street, that Nancy got away, but she still ended up coming back and getting taken out by Freddy, making the ultimate sacrifice, trying to save her friends and her family. I honestly think this is what Will's fate is. I honestly think he got away only to just come back and to be taken out i honestly think his story is not done there's more to him of course and i know a lot of things that are circling around you know um the character and his 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 just his distractions his his heart what does he need to do what does he how does he express himself and how does he communicate and and just a very awkward time in, in anyone's kid's life, especially in the 80s. The 80s were just confusing and weird, and everybody was doing their own thing, and it was just a weird time to try and find your voice. And I think Will is in that that holding pattern. So when we see him finally at the end, and he's hearing everything that's going on in the Upside Down and feeling uh, just the presence of well, I don't want to give that away, so I'll leave that alone. Um, I think he's a goner for sure, and I think this is going to play out exactly like Nightmare on Elm Street. He will be the the one that they get the statue, you know, erected in his honor. He will be the one kid we don't see come through for Stranger Things. At least it makes sense. I think Steve is safe. I don't think anyone wants to see Steve go down, especially since we have seen how much of an improvement his character has made from season one to now. 
And if him and Nancy can kind of pull things together, I can see a happily ever after the story that they were telling. The funny thing, and I noticed this with all of them, because usually the giveaway in the horror film is as soon as there's a tender moment or a groundbreaking epiphany that all of a sudden they've come to terms or they, they've reasoned for the value of life and, you know, all of everything is lined out. They usually die. As soon as someone says, I love you in the horror film, guaranteed they're the next sucker to get taken out. We didn't see that with this. And everyone had their tender moment. Everybody had that that intimate connection that would, in any other circumstances, mark them as the next casualty, and it didn't happen. And it sets up a very interesting field for season five. Since all of them have come to this emotional breakthrough who who goes down who who's next who 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 and all of the the collateral damage and the fodder have been taken out with the town going up in a big ball of flame which i personally really enjoyed (laughs) but and that also kind of explains why i think max is gone and will be inhabited by someone else because if she didn't die then the door wouldn't have opened and there would have been other problems unless they found something else or we're going to see more to that plot hole. But in my opinion, will for sure, maybe I don't think they'll they've tormented Hopper enough. I think he he'll be able to to ride off into the sunset, which will be nice. And uh, Dustin, of course. Yeah, they'll probably, you know, do a follow-up and where are they now for the final episode. And Dustin's going to be, like, mayor of the town or something. You know, the governor. Something something along those lines. (laughs) He's like Belushi's character in Animal House. You know what? He ends up just having having the, the career and the town just loves him. So, but that's just my thoughts. Some of my reactions to stranger things 11 will will continue and she may also be a casualty i don't see how the story continues with 11 not either dying or taking one's place in the upside down i have a feeling that the only way that the upside down is going to be cut off or taken control of is if Someone is there to rule it. And I honestly think that that is going to be 11 and we will see her make the transition from here to there and we'll be stuck on the other side. So those are some of my predictions. Don't know if they're right. They're fun to talk about and interesting to see if I will be right. Most likely. Well, 50 50. And there you have it. Some of the things that have caught my eye, stories that are going on across the Geekverse. I will be back next week before we trek across the country to C2E2. There's also a uh, Rocky Mountain Con Christmas in July event that will be happening July 31st. Yes, the end of the Sunday next week. So... We'll talk about that next week and let you know more about it. I will be there slinging some stuff. Got to make room for some new comics, new toys. So I'm going to get rid of the overstock uh, Simpson figures. I think are going on the chopping block finally. They, 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 they just can't stay anymore. There you go. And on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye. In the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night. <laughs>